This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Industry leading. Difference making. Tomorrow shaping. World changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. Ah, the sounds of summer. Can it get any better? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Discover the intuitive technology of the Lexus Hybrid lineup. Explore the possibilities of a Lexus at the Golden Opportunity sales event. Now through September 6th. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Mike Gregg. This is our Q&A with Mike Gregg, and uh, we have a bunch of things that we're going to talk about. Mike hasn't been on the show for a little bit, and it's always good to do a Q&A. We've done these before, so I thought we would do it again, and uh, we'll start with getting Mike's thoughts on the playoff final. I'm going to ask him about Scott Parker, and we're going to talk about who was his player this season, and then we're going to focus the majority of the show talking about the upcoming season and all the transfer speculation, everything to do with that. But this is a Q&A. If you have a question for Mike watching live on the Cottage Talk Facebook page, on my Twitter account, on my own Facebook page, please leave a comment and I'll look at it and I'll see if I can share it with Mike because we want to ask Mike some questions and uh, go through with this. Okay. Without further ado, Mike, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, hi, Russ. Uh, yeah, doing, doing okay. And uh, like uh, everyone's getting used to the new normal, whatever that is. But uh, it's good to uh, be back on the show and talking about uh, our favorite subject. And uh, yeah, looking back on last week and uh, the rest, rest of the season and uh, what's going to be coming up very quickly as well. Absolutely, Mike. 
before you know it, the new season begins. And again, I'm I'm already excited. I'm looking forward to turning the page. But before we do that, let's get your thoughts on the playoff final. It, it was eight days ago. It, it really has flown by. So uh, it was different than two years ago. That's my thoughts. What were your thoughts, Mike? Uh, yeah, it was a bit surreal, wasn't it, uh, watching the game? But uh, it, as a match, it wasn't the most exciting, but it was certainly tense, <laughs> that's for sure. And it, and uh, as the game progressed, I'm sure all our heart rates went up and uh, pacing around. I was certainly pacing around in the living room uh, watching <laughs> the game. And if I'd had a carpet, I would have worn that out. But um, I thought we were the better side over the whole game. Um, we, they certainly had chances and, uh, you know, but I thought fair play, you know, tactically Parker got it right. I maybe would have uh, started with a couple of other different players, but um, in the end, you know, it all worked out to be a dream. I mean, the question throughout the game was how long could Mitro play if right. needed? And right. in, the, in the end, he was on for half an hour and he, although he couldn't run a very far. He certainly, you know, did a job in that time. Um, but it was a, instead of any one player being outstanding, I thought it was an excellent team performance. Absolutely. And, uh, and um, you know, and then Brian with that free kick and uh, the energy to get up the pitch for the second goal. And that was a good, well-played goal. I mean, it's overshadowed from the free kick, but that second goal was a really oh, good goal. excellent, yeah. Um, you know, and then we were... You know, we let one in, and for ten seconds we're worrying. But, uh, but no, it was um, obviously uh, we went into the game. It was different. We were a lot of people were comparing it to two years ago, where Brentford Reverse, were right. Yeah, Brentford were Fulham, and we were Villa. And yeah. uh, and in in some ways that took the pressure off us. And you know they'd beaten us uh, well and truly, and uh, you know it it was. It, it was certainly the right result in the night. Uh, Brentford, I'm sure if we were their fans, but they would be absolutely gutted given their form. But in the end, when you look at it, season-wise, we finished on the same points. Um, certainly attacking-wise, they, they did better than us over the season. But, you know, in the end, I think in the end, the quality showed. So that's that's one of the stories of the season. You know, we're, we're going to talk about Parker and that. Um but I think the quality at times got us over the line. And that combination last week of the quality that we have in the side and also Parker and his coaching team tactically yep. getting it right. And it was a perfect storm for us in the end. And, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're promoted. And whether some fans, including myself, see it as a poison chalice <laughs> getting promoted because of what comes with that. Sure. Uh, in the end, we all want to play in the top division yes we don't like VAR money kills the game but money also keeps the game going so you know it's good to be back after one season and uh, you know I'm sure we can do better than we did last the previous season in the uh, Premier League well that's interesting we'll talk about that in a bit and and believe it or not I know that someone wants to know your thoughts on VAR so we'll talk about that Mike because I know you're pretty opinionated when it comes to VAR so certainly going to talk about that but listen I agree with you it's funny that you said it was a team effort Emilio and myself on the uh, post-match show we gave the man of the match to the team and you can include Parker and his coaching staff too because if you want to give it to Joe Bryan so be it you can do that but that was more of a team effort and as I said on the post-match show Mike which was different and, and this is going to lead us in a little bit to talk about Parker 
is that uh, his tactics, he got spot on. He actually stopped them from playing. I could just tell that they were set up to stop Brentford from playing. Whereas we always talk about, well, focus on Fulham. He actually focused on Brentford and then let what dictated happen from there. So I have to give that a team man of the match. What are your thoughts about that before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of touched on that where I said that maybe I would have played a couple of other players. One of them would have probably been Christy, who I thought, yeah. you know, in the, in the previous few games had done really well. But Adoy was picked because, you know, he's not going to get up the pitch like Christy does. And, and def- defensively, he's better of the two. And um, and so, yeah, that was, that, you know, that was clearly a tactical decision. Uh, it wasn't really based on form, was it? Because, you know, as I say, no. Christy had been playing. And... Um, and so it's funny because you, you look at Parker, one of the criticisms from a certain set of fans, probably myself as well, is some of the pre-match sort of uh, press conferences that Parker would give or the things that he's written, yep. uh, written, he would say about the strengths of the other team and how they're yep. all, you know, how it's going to be a tough game and they're good. And, they're, and it, it almost looked as if he wasn't... Um, saying how good we are, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing you worry about. i got a the theory opponent. on that, but go ahead, Mike. I have yeah, a theory so why he does that. If you worry about the opponents, when really you should be sort of bigging yourself up in some ways. But it's, it's clearly how his thought pattern is. And yeah. it's, it, it's taken its time. And, uh, you know, as I say, it all came together in the final. So, you know, fair play, fair play to him. He picked it exactly right. Uh, it was odd to see Cabano start because of the, looked like he had a, Injury from the uh, second leg of the game, uh, semi-final, and um, but you know he played well. There's a player who, for four years, has you know shown flashes of here and there, and then the last half dozen games or so, you know he's been excellent. Onomar as well, but yeah, it was a, a complete team performance. It was. Um, if I w- was pushed, then I might go with Hector because uh, yeah. I just thought he was a rock at the back there. Okay, excellent. And my theory on this, and again, I'm kind of used to the press conferences that Parker gives, similar to here in America with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. It's very similar. And if anyone's ever watched a Belichick press conference, I'd feel sorry for you because they're terrible. Just, I'm just going to mention that. But what he does is he builds up the other team, Mike. He rarely talks about his own team. He builds up the other team, and I think it's strategically one to build build that maybe overconfidence of the other team and two, keep his own team focused on the task at hand. Listen, this is a tough team. We need to go after this team and then really just attack this team with his strategy. And I think there's a similar thing going on with Parker. I don't think he's not thinking about, Mike, what his team can do, but I do think he is thinking about how can I – stop the other team as well. And I think that's probably what you're seeing in the press conferences. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's uh, each manager has their own kind of way of uh, getting their message forward. Maybe he just wants to distract. Yeah, exactly. His own team and, you know, and, uh, and concentrate on the other one. Uh, I think as fans, we probably want the opposite way. So sure. um, but we'll see how that progresses, certainly into next year, where every team we're going to face is clearly going to be uh, initially the better team. For oh, much, absolutely. So, um, so yeah. And, um, and But he's got better. He's learning. We all know he's yep. learning. And, uh, yes, he's only had the job for, you know, 18 months, really. Um, but, uh, 
you know, just want to see sometimes a bit more positivity in, in the pre-match. But, uh, <laughs> I but get yeah, it, you know, he's, he's got the job done, hasn't he? Okay, let's now talk about him in more detail, Mike. Because I've said this, Emilio said this. He wasn't our choice, Mike. I, I He was not my choice. But I have to give credit where credit is due. There were parts of the season where I'm thinking, uh-oh, he's not learning from his mistakes. But as the season progressed, I think he has. And I think it's passed it on to his players where if you want to call it a style – I think a style, you know, we all we always say Parker ball, but it's adapted over time. And I think you really saw it against Cardiff City, and then you exceptionally saw it against uh, in the final against Brentford. You really saw him think about how can I beat this team and uh, and have a a blueprint on how to beat each team and see if they can execute it. And he did that. So I want to give him credit because. It's funny. I, I think he has learned from his mistakes, so I'll, I'll give him credit. We could talk about what's going to happen in the Premier League, but I've seen some growth from Scott Parker. Mike, I'm curious your view from, say, the beginning of the season to now. Um, yeah, I mean, I I certainly wasn't against him being manager. I mean, I you know, after what he did at the end of last season, or the season in the Premier League, he was always going to get the job, so it was never really a case of you know who else is who, who else is going to have it? Um, he showed enough in those last few games to get the chance to lead us in the uh, championship, and so he did that. And um, you know we started okay, but there's a I'm not I'm not going to be re, uh, you know go back on anything I said during the season. I know I don't recall ever saying we should sack him, but we should certainly consider it. And there were times specifically. That free run, that that game where we lost to Bristol, Preston, and then Brentford, all of them were in the top seven, I think, at the time. We were third, and we were chasing second, and we lost to teams at the top. Yep. And then we had leads coming up, and so there was a danger there. We, you know, four losses on the bounce. You start having that conversation, don't you? Is he the right person for it? And right. prior to that, yes, we'd had. Um, Millwall game, which was uh, earlier in the season, we'd had the Millwall game where we'd won four nil, and and really, you know, if we'd carried on like that, we knew that within that team there is style, there is quality, but I have to say there are times when it was nullified and we were too defensive and we weren't direct enough, right? And and, and maybe it was a transition, maybe it was we're. We've still got, you know, still got the rose-tinted glasses on for Jukanovic's type yeah. of football. Um, but I always said prior to the season that we would make the playoffs minimum because of the quality we've got, and then it's a lottery. But really, once the season started and we'd had, a, we'd seen some of them, we should and and the quality of the league, we should have been in the top two. And I think throughout the season we never were once in the top two. Um, Yes, there were some changes, but the core of the team was still pretty much the same. And but we only saw flashes of real, real quality uh, of team play. So we, we yep. just praised the team play, but actually throughout the season, sure, attacking wise, we didn't. I mean, I went. You know, there were games there where we had chances uh, where you thought, yeah, this is where we're going to push on. You know, I remember going to Charlton away midweek, and it was one of the most dullest nil-nil games that you're ever <laughs> going to see. We, I mean. 
you know, I think there were there were certainly more shots in the pre-match warm-up than we saw in the whole game. And it was just, it was dire. And there was a couple of other games like that as well. I mean, Brentford, the Brentford loss, uh, I, I did the show, didn't I? Uh, after, yeah. we lost, after we lost at Brentford. Yes, you did, I did, a, I did a show here. I mean, and... I mean, I absolutely murdered him, didn't I? I mean, I, you know, and it, and he mentioned the Brentford game, didn't he, in one of his post-match interviews. He did. How angry the fans were. And, yeah, I was because it was a prophetic performance and I was disappointed with the way he left the pitch. Absolutely. I remember but, that. But the clubs stuck with him and it, but still none of it felt really convincing. And then, of course, we... You know, we've had the break, we've come back, and then we lost two games. And you could argue individually there were moments in both games that we were doing well. But, you know, you don't lose 2-0 and 3-0 and things are OK. And I, I think we saw a slight change in mindset for the team, possibly, yep. um, and, and tactics. And we became a bit more direct. And I think Cabano had a lot to do with that. Oh, I totally agree, Mike. You know, he's a player who reminds me, he's not as good, but he reminds me of Boa Malte in the fact that it's just, I get the ball, I'm going to go forward. That's know? right. <laughs> so, um, so, that, so that was, and so we saw that change and that turned into, what was it, four wins on the trot or something. That's right. And, and, and also there was an interview, and I think it was with Brian, or it might have been Hector in the last couple of days. You, there's so many articles, you're reading them and you, know, and you, you lose track. And... I think they, the words were they resigned themselves that they weren't going to make a second. And maybe with a little bit more freedom and almost guaranteed being in the playoff position, they were allowed to express themselves a bit more. Because I've always felt Parker was, his tactics are for the long game. Yeah. And, and the long game has produced the playoff position. Yeah. And I was concerned that wouldn't translate into the playoff games because of, you know, it's a knockout. You have to be a bit more sort of positive. But I think the mindset change in that last half dozen games produced what, you know, helps us get through the semi-final. You know, again, that was touch and go second leg. Um, but, you know, then, you know, the final he produced it all. So, yeah, full praise to Parker and to the Khans as well for keeping their nerve. Um, if we had lost particular games then yeah I'm, I'm sure you know serious questions would have been asked but um he, persi- he persisted and you know I joke about when we're one nil up he's going to go five at the back and that type of stuff <laughs> or, or maybe 10 at the back as we saw in one game um <laughs> but, uh, but you know people will throw the stats at me that I think it's 18 games he's made the change like that and we haven't lost so it's crazy you know, but then on the other hand, I could show you stats where, yes, that's right, but we've also given up the most chances in in those last parts of games yep. than than the rest of the games. So it's that give know, and take, right? No, I see where you're going on that, Mike. Yeah, it's a knife edge. But oddly, I actually think his tactics, if he continues with this with that style, um, with a little bit more freedom actually might suit the Premier League a bit more. See, I agree with that, Mike. That's what's interesting about talking about Parker now because the growth of him as a manager, and you talk about the players buying in, Mike, a mindset change because I think you definitely saw that. Maybe the losses, and it's difficult and to lose these matches, 
maybe that took the pressure off and then I guess you could say flip the switch where they knew now what the task at hand was that you said playoffs and that it was the long game. It was getting in the playoffs and building this mentality, which they obviously did. They've always been difficult to beat. Like you said, with, with all those uh, victories by one goal, but I think they took it to the next level. And then you said the tweaks, bringing in Cabano, Kamara coming back. I yeah. think these are things that made the difference, that gave them the quality to do what they needed to do, Mike. So yeah, I, mean, that, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. It's not just Parker, but I, I think we also have to give so much credit to the players. Yeah, certainly. I mean, but the, I mean, one of the frustrating things is we ended two points short of second place. I know. You know? So I, know. I, I think <laughs> I, I may have mentioned it. You know, you just certainly this year and other years, you know, you just think that that extra 5%, you know, just just that little bit of a bit more luck or that little bit more freedom, you know, would that have got us the extra two or three points to, to make it automatic? But, you know, if you're going to get promotion, if you're not going to go up as champions, then do it by the playoffs. And Absolutely. <laughs> it's the best way. I mean, I've seen... No. I've seen every playoff game we've been in, either <laughs> live on TV, and, uh, you know, it's, um, it is the way to get promoted. There's absolutely no doubt. But... Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, um, it's no secret. I'm not a fan of him as an individual, shall we say, certainly as a player and that. But, uh, you know, he's he's done the job and uh, full credit to him and his team and, uh, you know, the team off the field and uh, the ones on it as well. Okay. Mike, I have a couple of comments. We're going to go back and we're going to talk a little bit about the match again because you were talking about some of the decisions on the lineup. So I'm going to share this because these are interesting and I'm curious your view on this. This is about Christie, okay? If Christie played the full-time, Ben Rama would have cooked us. Now, he did a good job on Ben Rama. So, and then there's another comment from Robin Pendrell. I'm going to share this as well. There are two back-to-back. Adoy done a job on Ben Rama. So I see what you're saying, but I think this was tactical that he wanted someone that could really shut down yeah, Ben Rama and Adoy did the job, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you look at his uh, heat map, uh, <laughs> which I did the other day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he plays the played the defensive right back. You know, I mean, that's it was a little bit Roy like in the fact that you know that was it. You know, we're gonna we're just gonna hold off and uh, keep Ben Rama, you know, out of the game. And uh, you know, he's still a dangerous player, but Adoy, we know he has he, he can do that and. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's um, that's why Parker's a manager, and I'm not, isn't it? You know, he made that decision. Right. Um, I mean, the other one, you know, the, the, I, like I say, I was surprised Cabano started because I thought he was yeah. injured. But I mean, the the choice was Kamara or Reed when the lineup was made, and I tweeted before the game as did others. You know, it should be Kamara down the middle because of his pace, and right. you know, and they went for that now. Obviously, I'm not sure if you're going to mention it, but Tony Khan had, you know, had his interview the other day, and but you know, in the end, it doesn't really matter. You know, they made, he made the right choice, and Kamara played down the middle, didn't he? Yep. So, uh, you know, and um, and Kenny um, played a bit deeper as well. He did, uh, which surprised uh, me, Mike. I expected him to play f- further up the pitch, but again, this is a tactical move by Scott Parker. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, you know, Reed is, and and the big thing in that sort of running is Reed staying fit, isn't it? I mean, that's yep. you know he 
he was very stop-start up until March. And, but, you know, in all the games he played, he was excellent. And, uh, you know, he allows Kearney and he allows Onoma as well to uh, have that little bit more freedom. And, yeah, uh, yeah let's hope we sign him. Well, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. All right, my friend, let's now talk about this briefly. Then we're going to start focusing on the new season. I was again. I've seen a lot of tweets about player of the season. So who is player of the season, Mike? There are a lot of different directions you can go. Obviously, people are going to point to Mitro. I want to talk about Michael Hector because I think he changed us. So I think there are a couple of different directions you can go. But he only played half the season. Who is the player of the season? I don't think we we as a team end up where we are without Mitro's goals. Um, people will point to the fact that we did well when he didn't play. Um, but the number of games, what was it? Six, seven or, or, you know, maybe eight. Um, I just don't think it's a big enough, uh, sort of, uh, set of games sort of, you know, that's not going to spread over 46. So, you know, Mitro's 26 goals or whatever he scored, um, they make the difference for me. And, uh, so, and we talk about us talk about during the season and the quality we had. And you look at the twenty goals that Fulham put up uh, yesterday, yep. or you know, um, individual quality won some of those games. You know, not in some ways, not Parker's tactics, and and that's where the criticism was throughout the season that it was the quality of the individuals which was getting us through. Um, so yeah, for me, Mitrovic. Um, I think Hector certainly made a difference. He didn't know enough about him to, you know, we all hoped yep. he would be a good player. Um, but, you know, he'd, he'd travel around. He'd been on a lot of loans. But in the end, yeah, I mean, he's an excellent defender, isn't he? Um, yep. I think one decision you've got to give real praise to Parker is, is Rodak coming in. I was you know. just about to go to Rodak because I'm going to share a comment. Someone mentioned Rodak. Yeah, I mean, the amount of saves he made and proper saves, and we're not talking, oh, the ball was shot straight at him. I mean, we're, you know, we're talking match-winning saves he's made. So I'm sure there's a stat somewhere that will tell you how many <laughs> points he saved us. Um, so, yeah, to drop Bettinelli, who, you know, is a fan's favourite, um, and, go, and go with Rodak, who was pretty much untested, certainly. You know, he'd been on loan a couple of places, but uh, we didn't really know enough about him. Um, but he, again, he, you know, he's he's grown up, been been excellent for a twenty-three-year-old, and um, so it would be between those three. Okay, but I'm, I'm going to go with Mitro every time. Okay, I'm going to share this, Mike. A bunch of comments here. We'll just go through them because the fans are wanting to share their comments. We have Fulham Nick, player of the season, Hector. As we were just talking about, Mike, Robin Pendrel, Merrick Rodak. Okay, th- here's one from friend here. Hector and he means Reed were the most impa- impactful, but without Mitro, we'd be s- sitting 13th right now. Very interesting. Okay, I'm going to share this one right now. And the last one here I'm going to share. Just give me one second. I'll well, share this one. Uh, let's see. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Jumped in. Well, thank you for the comment. The, the comments are coming left and right, my friend. All right. Deeds 24, Mitro, then Rodak. So what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, the fact that there was no one striking, one individual that everyone's going for shows goes back to the team bit. But also yep. it's, it's the little pieces that throughout the season made the difference. So 
Mitro across the season. Then you've got Rodak coming in, what, a dozen games in. Then you've got Hector coming in halfway, halfway through, through the season. Um, and so all the pieces in the end fit together and uh, and produce the result at the end. I mean, it's a, you know, Mitro's injury at the end was a, was a worry. Um, but, I mean, he's got such a heart and, uh, you know, I'm sure he was dying to get on that pitch. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you know, I mean, there's an argument to be made for any of those three. I don't sure. I, I don't see how you go beyond those three. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, loads of players played. A Would part. it be safe to put Harrison Reed be, for the run in at the end as maybe the fourth? Yeah. Or do, you think, or, or, or do you think there's not enough there? I don't think there's. He was two stop start for me. Okay. I mean, the interesting thing with Reed is I think he played about 24, 25 games over the season. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, one thing to remember as well is 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 we, uh, you know, you got Mawson as well. He played a lot of games early on. Um, Adoy, yeah. who was, you know, played all across the back four. Yeah. You know, um, and even Tom. You know, let's not let's not forget about him. I mean, he, you know, he had a couple of injuries, but uh, you know, he still played over forty games yeah. and, and got eight goals. So. He probably never reached the heights that he did of, uh, you know, sort of season 18, 19, but uh, yeah. he, he still had uh, flashes. You know, again, you look back on those goals he scored, <laughs> that run where he got three or four goals yeah. In, yeah. In, a, in a short space of time. So, but, you know, it's those three head and shoulders above everyone else. Really. Okay. I'm just going to share one more. And, and it's from uh, one of our co-hosts, uh, Brendan in Ireland. Mitro's on fire. Yes, Brendan, I, I understand that. And I, Mike obviously agrees with you. And like I said, I understand why everyone's going to Mitro, but I just, just going to mention Hector because I think that changed how Fulham played the rest of the season. That's why I, I go with Hector, but for an overall season, Mike, we probably don't get where we were without Mitro. So that all those goals. So that totally makes sense. I'll right, tell you what Hector did. Hector gave the fans a massive boost the first game he played. Absolutely. So, so there was definitely a feeling, was it, you know, is he going to be any good? You know, why didn't we sign him before, uh, you know, the deadline? And then he comes in and almost immediately you can see the difference. And, uh, and you know, so much better than what we already had on the pitch. So, uh, so yeah, I think it gave us confidence that uh, – even though we were in the playoffs, it wouldn't be a problem. We would still stay there, especially if he stayed fit. Okay. All right. Mike, let's start looking forward for Fulham. We're going to start by talking about several different things. You know, it's funny because I was going to start with the transfer speculation, but I'm actually going to start here because I think this is a better place to start. Let me let me bring this up here because when we look forward, because we're going to be talking about transfer speculation, I got my view on, on all the – Silly season, okay? I, I do. But before we do that, let's just talk about positions of need. So I'm going to ask you, I've got my idea of which positions full need to strengthen. How about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of <laughs> messages on Twitter about this because I did put down what I felt we need. Um, one thing to say is we are a team getting promoted from the championship. So arguably, every position could be improved, okay? <laughs> Even Mitrovic. So, you know, there are players out there who are better than the players we have already. But you're not going to go out and buy 11 players, or we no. shouldn't do. You know, we did that before. It didn't, didn't work. work. No. 
you, you don't want to go to the other extreme where you don't buy anyone. And also, we have to be honest. Okay, so we've gone up with Tim Ream on the left centre-back position. But even he, you know, even in the final, he gave away the ball a few times too much. Oh, yes, he did. Um, so, and we know he was dodgy in the Premier League. And as much as I like Tim Ream and have defended the guy, I do not want him being my starting centre-back in the Premier League. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> so so we need to find someone who's going to play on the left-hand side. Now, we've, we've got Mawson, who, yep. you know, whether he's just, you know, injury-prone at this club, I don't know. You know, it might be better for him to move on. If we can get him fit, then, uh, you know, he's an option on that side. And, uh, you know, he can play in that division. I know he wasn't... He didn't look that great last time, um, but he's here, knows the club, and uh, you know I think we should continue to persist with him. But I still think we need another centre back. I agree. Uh, maybe two, um, one for each side, one on the left, one on the right. But the left is the priority for me. How about full back? I, yeah, I so think we need both. That's just my opinion. What, what are your thoughts about that? So full back definitely need a right back. Absolutely. You know, again, Christie, finite championship, Adoy, finite championship. Um, and Adoy might be, I think he signed an extension, as he always opted for it. But again, you know, that's the position we need to buy or, or loan. Right. And I'd rather buy, and that would be a right back position. Okay. Um, Left back, we probably need. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with Joe Bryan. You know, I think I'm comfortable too, but I think we need another. That's my point. We need another because Marchand is, is. That's my point. Not good enough. <laughs> no, no. Uh, he gets a nosebleed if he goes over the halfway line and <laughs> playing at left back anyway. So he can't do that particular job, and we don't have any. We don't seem to have anyone else who can do it. You've got, yeah. you know, you, you've got a session on. But, are they going to have faith with him? Is he going to push on? It's it's interesting when you see pictures of him and his brother together, how slighter he is, you know. So Ryan has built himself up, and I think, you know, Stephen has to do the same. So he's like, totally agree. he's two years behind him, even though they're the same age. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, we need, a, we need a right back. And left back, yeah, I would go with cover. Okay. Um, That's where I was going. Or cover a competition, but I would like to see Brian given that chance. Okay. Then we could, then goalkeeping position is an interesting one. Let's not forget about that. Um, is Marcus going to be willing to hang around? Um, I don't know. I'm not convinced. You know, I mean, he's 28. He should be playing first team somewhere. He's, he's a good enough keeper to do that. Yeah. And maybe we should show his loyalty to us by allowing him to move on if he wants to. Otherwise, if he's willing to stay and it's him and Rodak as the two main choices, then I'm fine with that. We go with okay. it. Um, there's always an argument to bring in a, a more experienced one. Somebody threw Joe Hart at me uh, the other day, and I was like, mm, no. no but, not, um, but, you know, there, there, there are always options yeah. there. I'll, I'll go with that. Midfield, the question there is if we – is Reed? I think Reed. That's is the, the million dollar or million pound question. Eight million pound question, isn't it? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, gonna, we'll talk about him a little bit because okay. I, I I want to delve into talking about the whole Harrison reading. But yes, I agree with you, Mike. Go ahead. Okay. So so midfield wise, considering the players we've got on loan, 
So there's all so many permutations. You know, if everyone comes back, I don't actually think we need anyone if we sign Reed. But if we don't sign Reed, then we have to probably look at other options. Yep. Wide, if we get, if we say a wide as wingers, we have spent money on Reed, uh, Cavalero, um, and Knockhart. Um, do we've you've also got Kamara who can play on either side. He's shown that, and then you've got Mitrovic up front. I don't see anything else coming through. So for me, we need another striker, and when I say striker, I mean a central striker in the mould of Mitrovic. Okay. So a, a bigger man up front, not another winger come forward. That's what I don't want that. I want a proper out-and-out striker, and um, that will cost, and he may have to sit on the bench, but, you know, so be it. We need competition and we need cover for Mitrovic. Kamara, as I say, can play across the front. So do we need any other wingers? Um, I'm... I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Having spent thirty plus million on those three, I'm pretty sure the Cairns will want to uh, see that recouped by seeing playing. And right. yes, they wingers are incredibly frustrating anyway. You know, they're always going <laughs> to blow hot and cold. Um, but I think we've got enough there. If there's an outstanding one winger we can get who can probably play on both sides, then yeah, okay, go and get them. But uh, otherwise, I'm happy with what we got. So for me, it's. It's two defenders, three defenders maybe, um, and then whatever's happening with midfield and Reed. Okay. They're the key. And okay. a striker. Yeah. And a striker. Okay. And that makes sense, Mike. That's kind of where I am on that, and I think you really uh, diagnosed that pretty well. Okay. Now we're going to talk about a pet peeve of mine. All right, Mike. Here we go. How much of the transfer speculation do you take seriously? Can I just tell you how bad it's been this week? It's been terrible this week, Mike. Fulham have been linked to so many different players at so many different levels. And listen, I understand the game here, and we're going to talk about the game. The game is that people, again, will put out a story, and I'm not saying they don't have sources on it, but in my opinion, agents do like to get information out there to help their clients. So I think that's always a part of it. Whenever you see this player is linked to three or four teams. I think that's coming from the agent directly because the agent wants to have a market for his player. So this makes me crazy. The silly season makes me crazy, Mike. So I tr- try very hard to decipher what is truly serious and what is not. So I'm curious your view on this. I know people think it's fun, but in the end, I just want Fulham to bring in the right players. So seriously, how much do you take the transfer speculation? I'm I'm being honest here. I'm asking you. Um, I mean, you take you can take a lot of it with a pinch of salt. I mean, it is agents, it is players, and it is the clubs as well. Let's not yeah. forget that they play the game as well. Actually, they, you're 100 percent right. Like you mentioned the club, the clubs yeah, they, do, do they use it too? They test the water. Don't you worry about that. And um, so sometimes it's a case of looking about who who's actually written the article you know what's their uh, what's their past record you know some of the websites i'm not going to name them but some of them are just clickbait aren't they you know they just want you to click in and, and that's it and they will throw names out or or when you dig a bit deeper you just see it's it's been written by someone from a fanzine or something like that you know there's a particular website that always has headlines like the five players who should leave or the five players who should join and all that yep. kind of rubbish. 
and then, and then you realise it's from some 12-year-old fan somewhere, you know. Um, but when you look at the newspaper ones, so we had Chambers, Chambers yesterday, um, or today actually, wasn't it, I think. We're um, going to talk about him. <laughs> yeah, so I tweeted my view on that, and I've had a lot of responses on that as well. Okay. Um, but I believe that one in some ways, you know. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, he, 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 he was player of the season two years ago. Um, he did like it here. You know, what's his injury situation? You know, all that kind of stuff. But um, but then you also have, you know, Tony's interview the other day, which is uh, you can read an awful lot into with regards to certain players. And um, so how much do you take seriously? Uh, I suppose you take as it depends on who writes it or where, where the source comes from. The source, from. okay. Yeah, so it depends on the newspaper and the article and where it comes from, for me anyway. Um, but uh, it's um, Fulham been quite good at picking out players in the last few years where there hasn't been any speculation, you know, right. and they suddenly arrive. So uh, I like that the best, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always good. Um because that way you don't get too excited or too disappointed. They exactly. just arrive. You know, so, I mean, if you want to talk about Chambers, yeah, I particularly don't want to buy Chambers um, okay. or, or sign him. When he arrived uh, two years ago now, isn't it? Um, he was signed to be the the right back next to Mawson. Yep. Uh, sorry, the right centre back next to Mawson. Yep. And the first game he got absolutely crucified. We lit in a, he lit in a very bad goal near post. Um, I didn't think actually he was that bad at, at centre back, but um, you know, vast majority of fans couldn't wait to get him out of that position. Eventually, I remember one particular game. Actually, he played at right back for the first twenty minutes against Cardiff and got absolutely slaughtered. Um, and then he was thrown into central midfield and did an okay job, absolutely. You know, but if that job is just running around you know, getting in the way of people, being a pest, making some tackles, but not being able to pass to anyone, then fine. If that's what you want, then he's your man. But uh, for a team in the Premier League, we we need more quality than that. Especially I agree. In, especially in midfield. Especially in midfield. We can't afford to have a player who gives the ball away as much as he did. Now, if he was signed as the centre-back, back up, then, you know, I might go with that. But I not as a midfielder, please. Okay. All right, Mike, let's now talk about Harrison Reed because what's interesting about now, that's this. That's a midfielder. Now, that's a proper midfielder. Exactly. Okay. And what's funny about this, and first of all, I actually started the show accidentally by mentioning do you think Fulham will sign Harrison Reed permanently instead of the Open? So that was a nice little Goldman on my behalf. But I want to talk about him now. And what's interesting about this, and I've been going back and forth with a few people on this because I have read that Fulham have the option. I think Tony even talked about Fulham have the option. But then I read an article from someone who said, and again, I can't remember the source on this, Mike, an option's not an obligation. And I'm trying to think, what is the difference between if a team is given the option, isn't it just they need to pay the fee and then get the player? And I read this article that says, well, no, another team can come in and you know, Southampton can take that offer. So have you heard of, an obligation compared to an option with contracts. I'm curious your thoughts on this because when I saw the option, I thought, okay, well, Tony Khan just needs to pick up the option and pay it. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I suppose we just think in simple terms, yeah, an option, oh, yeah, that's great, we can sign it. But, I mean, it can be, 
you know the option to sign him if we got promoted but it's not a um you know it's not guaranteed that we have to sign him you know so sometimes right. it works both ways it could be if we um if we got promoted then we have to pay x a million for him and he will sign right um you know and if we or it could be at the end of the season if he's played 30 games then you have the option to to sign him because he's been important to you know, it's whatever deal you write up there's no um I, I believe the players contracts you know they're there's bits on it at the end where you can just add whatever you really want to do and agree with a club. So, yes, we may have agreed an £8 million fee if the club got promoted. And if you want to sign him, you need to do it like this. So if the club do have an £8 million option and maybe it's a case of we have to, you know, there's some obligation somewhere that we have to do or, you know, a certain date where it has to be done by, um, because really, if we're the the question really is why haven't we signed him then? You know, if it's eight million pounds, what's the hesitation? Where, where's the blockage? Right. So, so I mean, but I remember reading that we had a option on Norwood, and we never took it. You know, because he was there's an interview with him straight after the final, where I think he says, you know, there's an option to to buy me, um, or a, a and we never agreed. did, and we never did. You know. And and maybe it's a case of the players and the agents and both teams all have to agree as well at the same time. So, you know, it's, I mean, it's interesting that we ended up signing Knockart, Reed, and Caviero before the Already. end of the season. You know, yeah. now, now is that because they reached certain appearances? Um, did we just decide, oh. yeah, we definitely want them? You know, so it, really you, you're not going to know um, unless you get to see their contracts. So... Okay. Yeah, just having an option doesn't mean, you know, it's it's done and dusted at all. Okay, great. And I just want to share this because we have a couple of comments from Barry Palmer first. Love Reed. Give you a bit of fire in the midfield holding role. Must sign him. I agree. I totally agree with that. And I'm just going to share another one. Uh, but again, we'll have to wait and see Chris Morris read all the way we need him. And I totally agree with that. Okay, Mike, let's move on. I'm glad that you talked about Chambers. We've talked now, obviously, about Harrison Reed. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think we'll sign Harrison Reed? Do you think we will? What just your gut feeling? If it's an £8 million fee, I don't see any reason why we don't. So it might just be down to the player. Uh, but if we have the option, then, you know, Tony Khan shouldn't even hesitate. He should have got him signed right. already. Um, let me just say on Reed, when he first came... And he was very, you know, he was in for a few games, got an injury, back in, got in. It took a while, certainly for myself, to sort of see what he had. And then he was having a really good run, got another injury. Um, uh, but he, he has those qualities, and I think it's going to be good enough for the Premier League. And I agree. We made the mistake of not signing Norwood. Let's not make that mistake again. And Reed is a better player, I think. Oh, I think so. I think I, I agree with that, Mike. All right. Let's talk about these two players, Mike, and I know you have some views on these players. Reportedly, Seri and Nguisa will be returning to training with Fulham. Okay, Mike, you're Tony Khan. Do you keep both of them, just integrate them? First of all, I'm going to say definitely on Nguisa. I'm kind of split on Surrey. That's where I am on him. But I would at least take a look at him, and the fee would have to be right for both of these players. I wouldn't 
give Angisa at all because I think Angisa could really help Fulham. What are your thoughts? Do you think that these players will play for Fulham this season? And do you want them to? <laughs> well, I think they're both good players. Let me just say that. I know both there are fans out there critical of both of them or, you know, only one of them individually. But um, Siri is a good player. He's lost his way, hasn't he, with Fulham and um, absolutely, you know, and and this season as well, where he's been on loan, he hasn't quite. Doesn't sound as if he's, you know, playing like he did a couple of years ago, which made us sign him. I think it would be best for him to, and the club to part ways. So if we can get any decent fee for him, I think it's just time to, you know, say thanks but no thanks and move on. Okay. Um, partly because we have Onoma, uh, we've still got TC. Um, so, you know, where does he fit in if we sign Reed as well? Um, and also style-wise, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure he fits with Parker. Okay. So, and I think he's, it would take an awful lot for fans to win him over. And, and we've seen it before. Players struggle. And, uh, you know, you have the odd ones like Baird who eventually wins everyone over. But yeah, he did. I think, it, I think it's, it's more of a mountain than a hill for Siri to <laughs> Do that for our guys. So, right. so I think he should move on. Um, Frank's a different issue. I think that. I, oh, think I want he, him back, Mike. I think he's a really good player. I, do I can understand the criticisms of him early on, but there are flashes of real quality there, and uh, it looks like he's you know he's done really well over in Spain, and I'm sure teams there want him to go back. I hope he wants to come back and, and play in the Premier League. And um, I know Tony rates him very highly. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, and I think, you know, if you have him, Reed, um, Onomar, Kearney, you know, that's... That's you know, a good mix. And, and, and then you've still got, you know, if K-Mac's going to hang around, he's still useful. Uh, I, I'm, I'm expecting Johansson to leave. Uh, to I am too. I will say I don't particularly want to sign Harry Arter. Um, There's been talk about that, Mike. I'm glad that you brought him up because I was I heard on Talksport. This was right after the match that there was talk that Fulham were going to pick up an option on Arter. But that again, nothing's happened on that. So I did a bit of research on Arter, and okay. I, look, I look back over the last five years. I mean, he's 30. Okay, he's had his fair share of injuries with us. Um, and over the last five years, he's averaged about, he would average only about 23, 24 games this coming season. So do you want to spend a lot of money on a 30-year-old who's only going to be available for less, you know, just over half a season? Because that's just the way it pans out for him. I mean, he, he started less than half the season just gone. So, you know, I, I, you know, I know he's a relative of Parker and, you know, maybe he's good in the dressing room, but I just feel... You know, we don't need that. If you're going to get a midfielder, get a younger one. Um, but also, you know, I think if Frank comes, why do you need him? So, uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, for me, I'd, I'd rather, I want us to go the season with, with Frank. I want to see what he can do. And with I think him and Reed, if we do end up playing in games where we have two defensive midfielders, right. you know, I think they're going to complement each other. Absolutely. That was, that was the way there. I was thinking about it. Yeah. So, it's interesting. I read a very interesting article today about Frank at Villarreal, a real technical analysis, and it was really broke down exactly what he did. And everything I was reading, Mike, just said to me they need to bring him back because he offered a lot at 
Villarreal. Now, the question is, would he fit in Parker's style? That was what the article concluded. He needs to be in a system that fits him. Do you think that Parker's style would fit Frank? Yeah, and I think Parker liked him when he had him in the Premier League last year. Um, I think you know, people say he ran away or, you know, he didn't want to fight it. I mean, players leave when the teams get relegated. We know that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, Parker's going to be putting his arm around his shoulder after every game coming up <laughs> in the season, you know, because you know, he's, he will be an asset. I think we'll be a better squad with him than without him. I totally agree, Mike. That's why I wanted to talk about Frank because people have been talking about him. It's like you definitely have to bring him back. Unless he is kicking and screaming about coming back, then you know you would have to think about it and the offer would have to be significant. But I want him back, and I, I have a feeling that Scott Parker would want him back because, like you said, he's worked with him before. Bring him back. All right, Mike, talk about a center back. I saw this speculation. Again, this goes back to do you take this seriously? There's been a little speculation on this player. He played for full, what, one match? Thoughts on the transfer speculation with Terrence Congola. Now, again, this was, right, I, I believe it was just one match, Mike, right? Man City? So yeah, what are your I thoughts would. about this? You know, again, we had him on loan, and then he got hurt. I saw potential with him. Would you yeah. look into him as a center back? Well, I mean, they obviously saw enough of him to to sign him, and so they might want to give him a second chance. And uh, you know, it's um, he certainly looked okay. <laughs> so, uh, and he know the club and he know the players. So, yeah, I don't see a problem if we go back to him at all. And uh, I think um, I think it's important that you go into the Premier League and we don't make too many changes. That's that's one of the messages. You know, bringing in three or four players new to the club. See, I don't see Frank coming back or, you know, as someone new to the club. You know, he's been right. in, you know. But three or four new faces, yeah, that's fine. Um, and someone like Terence, who's been around the team for a little bit anyway, knows the setup, knows the majority of the players. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay, excellent. All right, Mike. Again, there's been a lot of transfer speculation. I'm just going to go through a couple more with you. Let's talk about this one and uh, thoughts on the loan speculation with Ethan Ampadu from Chelsea. And he's a young player, and uh, I don't know enough about him. I don't know if you do, but um, I'm curious, Fulham bringing in or being linked to a player that uh, has, again, everything I've been reading about him, a huge amount of potential and can play in midfield, can also play, I believe, at center back. So what are your thoughts about this transfer speculation? Yeah, I mean, we seem to have a link with, you know, I mean, we got Hector, didn't we? So, I mean, yeah. you know, now our neighbours. My only concern there is he's, I think he's 19, is he? He just signed a new deal, I believe, too. Yeah, yeah. And young defenders, as, as especially centre-backs, um, on loan, I'm, I'm not sure about, to be honest. I mean, the guy, uh, Mensa from Palace, on oh, Man United, wasn't it? That's right, he'd yep. been at Palace. I mean, it was shocking, wasn't he? <laughs> you know, and he was a young yeah. guy and he had yeah. he had Premier League experience. That's but right. And it just That's didn't work horrible. out for him. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a, I think to bring in a young defender like that on loan, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure oh. on that one. Okay. All right. Now we're talking about a player that obviously has a lot of Premier League experience. This is a free transfer, Mike, but this goes back to me talking about transfer speculation. There are a bunch of teams linked to Ryan Frazier. I mean, a ton. 
So I'm just thinking Foma just one of maybe six or seven. What are your thoughts about this? Because I can't take this too seriously because there are so many teams linked to him. But what do you think about him as a player? Would he be a fit? Yeah, I think he he, he would fit in with us. Um, and, uh, you know, he has, he has the experience as well. Um, and he's he's one of those players, you know, we used to sign a lot of players and they're sort of, I mean, I think he's only 20, mid, late or mid-20s. Um, we used to sign a lot of players who have lost their way. That used to be a sort of, you know, the Roy way. We'd sign these players who need to, you know, find an, a, a fresh place to to start again, if you like. And uh, and he could be one of those. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be okay with him because, he, you know, he's got that kind of experience. Okay, excellent. All right, here's a, a comment from Robin Pendrell. We have a ton of people watching live, Mike. Love to get young Gallagher from Swansea. What are your thoughts about him? I've seen him play a few times. And do you think he would be a fit with, with Fulham? Again, another Chelsea player. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're only allowed two loans, aren't we, anyway? We are. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I think people are forgetting that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, another one from down the road. <laughs> um, I mean, it's easy to keep tabs on. Um, I think one of the concerns, you know, we're, we're looking at all these other players and we're talking about young players, is apart from session on, where, where are they all coming from our, from our team? Yeah. You know, I've got this thing about the young players coming through, and they're not getting—they're either not getting a chance, or they're just—they're not progressing. And you know, that's that could be a show, another show. Sure, <laughs> you discuss that, but um, but yeah, I mean, it goes back to what you, what you were saying earlier, Russ. You know, how many of these do you take seriously? How many of the agents or the clubs um, are we even looking at? Them? And yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I think what. What we have learned is, you know, we're, we're unlikely to do what Brentford do, which is is look lower down the leagues. Um, you know, we are going to be looking at the top leagues in around Europe, probably. Sure. Um, plus the championship. And, you know, if there's players there that uh, Tony and his, his team come up with, then, uh, you know, they're going to be the targets we've won. I mean, one of the big questions is how much, What's Parker's saying it all? I know Tony says that he um, gets a lot more involved. So, well, Mike, that's funny you say that because I have a question. <laughs> Will Scott have more say on incoming and outgoing transfers? That's a great question, Mike. Yeah, I mean, it is, isn't it? And um, to be fair, Tony Khan says that um, Scott is involved more than any other manager he's had. I think Onoma proves or gives some credit to Parker to use, doesn't it? I mean, if you Parker's probably got the right to now go to Tony and say, look, there's this young player, I know him, or you saw what I saw in Onoma, I want to go and get him. And if the stats say no, then that's where the, uh, you know, <laughs> the discussion begins, doesn't it? How right. far can they bend the rules? So, it's. I, I'm not. Uh, we've discussed the uh, stats way of picking the signings. I'm not against it at all. I think you know. There's. I've, I've spoken to Tony Khan about it, how it works, um, I, and uh, I think it kicks out too many uh, wingers for us to sign. A, you know, we do like to sign a winger, don't we? Um, oh, absolutely. 
uh, and not enough defenders, probably. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's um, let's hope Parker, you know, gets his say. But you know, I, I don't think we should or will ever go back to where one man has the you know the say all to whatever player comes in. So, sure. Okay, excellent stuff, Mike. Great show. I've enjoyed this hour. The hour flew by. It's been an hour. An hour. And yeah, yeah. we tackled a lot of stuff, my friend. This has been great. And, it's, it's still 30 degrees in the kitchen. <laughs> well, Mike, I feel bad that you're dealing you know, And everyone in England dealing with the heat. The, the heat is actually pretty extreme here. It's about 93 degrees Fahrenheit here. It sounds like it's somewhere yeah, yeah. Celsius for you, Mike. So uh, I definitely understand what you're going through. But uh, before we go, I, again, I just want to thank you for doing the show, my friend. I hope you can join me soon. You know, again, thank you, everyone, that actually shared some comments so I could share them with Mike. You know, again, we like doing these Q&As. But I also had some subjects because there were some comments that, that fans had that, I, again, I just made banners regardless. That, that were similar, so I just asked you the questions, Mike. But fans had a lot of questions for you, and, and I, I enjoy doing these, I guess you could say, Q&A sessions with you. I hope we can do them again soon. Yeah, so do I. I. I love doing them. I mean, you know, for various reasons, not being able to do much over the last year, and with everything that we're all going through around around the world, yep. uh, some of us are are working hard, and some of us, unfortunately, have lost our jobs. So all I'd yep. say to, you know, anyone out there in the Fulham family, you know, stay strong and stay safe, and uh, you know, there's a lot of us here to just talk to. If you're having problems as well, exactly. contact us through Twitter. You know, there's a lot of issues going on beyond football. I don't want yep. to get too serious, but uh, you know, it's the Fulham family. Everyone watching now, and and what, read your read your stuff on Twitter and mine as well. And you know, uh, just just get in touch if you're having a tough time, and just have a chat. Okay, excellent stuff. Totally agree with you, Mike. Uh, it is a tough time for everyone, but we are a Fulham family, so I'm glad that we're ending the show talking about that. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. For my co-host, Mike Gregg, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. For Fulham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats, and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free COY Whites app now from the App Store and Google Play. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.